Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way of the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming his baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out with him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. This is the reading of God's word. It's good to see everybody uh, here, especially on a, a nice sunny day. I don't know if winter started yet officially, but um, looks like it's relatively pretty warm um, out of season. Anyways, uh, thanks Elizabeth for reading the scripture for us today. Um, you know, Thanksgiving's over. We're again in Christmas season. I, I, I don't know if you've got the Christmas vibe, you feeling the holiday spirit yet a little bit, but if you're following the calendar, we are in the, what we call the season of Advent. And so from this week all the way to Christmas, we'll be focusing on that season for us as well, kind of revolving the messages around this idea of Advent. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I mean, Christmas still is one of my favorite holidays, but it, it takes more effort as years go by to feel Christmassy. I don't know if you know what that means. You know, you kind of make yourself go make the tree and make yourself maybe see the Rockefeller Center and, or I don't know, whatever you need to do, but just, it just, I don't know, for me it takes more effort to feel more Christmassy. Time just keeps going by so quickly. Um, and so the question that, that we want to ask is this, um, how do you prepare for Christmas. Uh, why, why do we even need to prepare for Christmas? Because see, that's, that's what Advent is really about. The word Advent, uh, from the Latin word, means the coming. And so for centuries, not just in our country, but for centuries, Advent has been a time of spiritual reflection as well as cheer and anticipation. Advent was a period of waiting, a period of waiting. So you see, Advent for people like us today who observe this holiday before Christmas, it's, it's kind of fun because you're really, you're waiting for Christmas Day and because you know what you're waiting for, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, you have something to look forward to. So it's kind of interesting. It's fun. We know what time it's going to be. Christmas is going to be in a few weeks around the corner. And most of us, are hopefully, we, we expect it to be good or, or fun, you know, getting together with families and friends, exchanging presents, having meals again. And so it, it's a period of expectation of good times again uh, this year as the year ends. Advent for us, waiting, it, it's easy because it's finite. We know what's coming. It's Christmas. And we know when it's coming. And we know when it's going to be done. Uh, you see, Advent for people who celebrate it is fun because we know what time it will be, and it's easy because we know there's an end to the waiting. But if you really think about Advent in the Bible, right, waiting in life isn't always so neat and orderly, is it? Particularly if you're waiting for things in your life in which you think you're not even sure if it's ever going to come, right? Maybe if you're single, uh, you're, you're still waiting for that spouse, if you're married but without kids, maybe you're waiting for the possibility of having children. Uh, maybe you have a relationship that 
need some mending. You need some reconciliation. You're just waiting for this relationship to get better. Maybe you're wondering when your job, your vocation uh, will be more profitable or more enjoyable or will you just get over this hump and you're kind of just waiting for things to be better at work. Maybe you've just got plans for your life and you're working really hard for it, but it just hasn't, you know, you feel like moved along as quick as you would like and so you're kind of waiting. Or worse, think about this. What if you've got bad news in your life going on right now? What if you have something hard? What if you have something terrible and you're waiting for it to end and you're asking the question, how long? How long is this going to last? How long is this period of, of difficulty going to last? How long do I have to wait? So you see, Advent in the Bible is more than just waiting for Christmas Day. There's a longing that's involved. There's an anticipation, a hope for some good news, oftentimes in the midst of your bad news, or maybe in the midst of no news. And the thing about good news is this. Good news is oftentimes good news because of the bad news. The question you might want to ask yourself today is this. What is your good news today? What, what would you like to hear today that you feel would just pick you up, relieve you, remove your anxiety, give you a sense of joy? What, what would be your good news today? Now, I know if you're Christian or if you've been going to church for some time, you're probably thinking, well, yeah, it should be Jesus, right? But, but no, let's just be a little bit more practical. What, what are you waiting for right now? What, uh, what are you preparing for? What are you longing for? Maybe that, that, that's going to happen or might happen or make a difference or be, be different or change in your life today. What would it be? And the other question is, how are you waiting for that? How are you preparing as you wait, as you pray, as you, as you try and patiently endure the moment? Well, in the Bible, when you look at the people in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, what, what was their waiting for? What was their hope? What was their longing? And if you know anything about the history of Israel in the Old Testament, when things got bad, right, they, they lost the promised land. They, they lost their king. They didn't have a king as a people. And they got taken over by foreign kings. And they, they lost their freedom, okay? So... A lot of the Old Testament is about a people of God, Israel, who had everything that God gave them, and then in one moment lost everything. They lost their freedom to foreign nations. They lost their land. Now they were in a foreign land, living in some oppression of some sort, and they didn't have a king. They were living under a king that was foreign to them. And so that's why when you read the Old Testament, there's all these prophecies that occur, especially a prophecy in Isaiah around 703 B.C., which is really about hope that things would change in their life. And if you read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, this is one of those prophecies, and it reads like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That was the people of God's hope, that one day there will be another king. 
that a child will be born and that a son will be given to this country and he's going to be someone like King David, the best king that they've ever known. And in verse 6 of Isaiah, he just says the authority is going to be dealt with just like King David did, with justice and wisdom. A king that we're waiting for, a person with dignity, with honor, with majesty, and there's going to be this baby that's going to be that kind of king, who's going to bring them back to their land, who's going to rule over them with peace and mercy and justice, who's going to give everything that they had lost and return it back to normal, right? That's what they were hoping for. That's a lot of the Old Testament. So how did they prepare? They spent lifetime of Advent. How did they wait? And here's what I'm going to say it may look like a little bit of a downer during Christmas season. So in our passage that Elizabeth just read here in Mark, there you have the fulfillment of that prophecy, right? And it says there, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then John the Baptist appears, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so here's what's going on in Mark. Years and years and years, the people of God were waiting. They were waiting for the right person, the right time. They were longing. It was anticipation and hope. Finally, in the Gospel of Mark, this is what Mark is saying. Here he is. Here he is. And John the Baptist, right, this guy, this, this Old Testament prophet into the New, he's preparing the way. And he's telling the people, get ready. The Son of God is coming. Christmas, right, the first Christmas is coming. Get ready, right? So how does he do that? How does he tell the people to prepare for the coming of a Savior? He doesn't do it by singing Christmas songs. He doesn't do it by wrapping presents or drinking eggnog. What does he say in verse 4? He proclaimed the baptism of what? Repentance repentance. Isn't that interesting? How do you get ready? How do you prepare for the birth and the coming of a Savior? How do you get ready for everything that you've been waiting for, and now it's going to be here? How do you get ready for Christmas? And you would think, hey, we need to have a party. We need to celebrate. But what does he say? Repent. Repent. It's kind of a downer, that word, isn't it? Picture John the Baptist. It's Christmas Eve. Here's this dirty, unshaven guy who's been in the wilderness eating locusts. All of a sudden, he comes out into the town, and he's screaming, Repent! 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 Happy Advent. Merry Christmas. What does that mean? You know, I do not like the word repent, especially even as a pastor, because it just sounds so uh, religiously outdated. You know, it's like those really old preachers shouting, repent, repent, repent. And when I heard that as, as a youth group kid, I used to think that really meant, repent meant stop being bad, start being good, or else God's going to punish you. That's what it sounded like to me when I hear the word repent. It sounded pretty threatening more than anything else. And to be honest, it didn't really work on me back then, and certainly doesn't work on me very well today, because it really feels like, um, you know, a religious bullying or something. You need to repent. 
right? What do you think about when you hear that word? But what's interesting in our passage is that that can't be what it meant for the people that listened. Because we're told when the Baptist goes around saying, repent, all these people from Judea and Jerusalem, they flocked to John. They went to him. They didn't run from him. They went to him. And I can't imagine then all these people being attracted to what John was saying and doing this because he was bullying them with fear and threats. No, don't get me wrong. Fear and threats can change people. It can change their behavior, at least for a little while. But fear and threats don't really change your thinking. It doesn't really change your heart. And ultimately, I think that's what God's up to, changing not just our behavior, but our hearts, our minds, okay, our minds. The Greek word, did you know this? The Greek word here in our passage for the word repent or repentance is the word metanoia. Noia from the root word knowledge to know, metanoia. It literally means changing your mind. That's what the word here in Greek means, repentance. Change about how you think about things. Repentance, when he says repent, it's not just about changing your lifestyle. It's more. It, it's more than just about cleaning up your act. It also means thinking differently, thinking new thoughts, different thoughts. In other words, where there's true repentance, there's not just a change in behavior. There's also a change in your thinking. And that thinking is hopeful. It's thoughts full of hope. If you understand repentance this way, then repentance doesn't sound ominous or terrible or bad. It becomes something that sounds kind of good, something that you want, something that you might actually need. Because here's why. Good and bad things happen to us all the time. Good and bad things happen by us all the time, right? But did you ever notice how easy it is to remember the bad, to dwell on the bad, and how hard it is to remember the good, to dwell on the good? I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're dwelling on the bad right now, but I'm willing to bet, objectively, if you were to overview your life in the past 10, 20, 15, whatever years, I'll bet you there are more good times you've had than bad, but you're dwelling on those moments of bad that's really impacting you, right? That's, that's what we tend to do. Uh, Tim Keller has a good illustration to kind of see this, uh, especially when we look at people. Um, you ever go to those tourist places and you see people like street artists and there's always that artist that makes you sit down and he'll do, a, 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 I guess, a, a self-portrait of you, right? A portrait of you, a caricature, a cartoon portrait. You ever see one of those? And if you've ever done one of those, you know how it looks. It looks kind of like you, that portrait, but it's a cartoon. And so a lot of the features are exaggerated. Right? Your nose looks bigger, your ears look bigger. I don't know, it, it's a caricature of the real person. And that's how we tend to think of not just our situation, but our people. If you ever had a good friend, good friend, good friend, good friend, good friend, hanging out, hanging out, well, good, so much fun, so much fun, and then all of a sudden, your friend lied to you, betrays you, you feel betrayed. And now from that moment on, Every time you see this person, all you think about is the lie. All you think about is the betrayal. 
You've made a caricature of this person. You've forgotten all the bad, but now all you see is the big nose. All you see is the big ears. It's a caricature of the person. Why? Because we're dwelling on the bad. Oh, she's just a liar. Oh, he's just a, a traitor. There's a tendency in many of us, when we think about certain situations, when we think about certain people, or even certain relationships, even when we think about ourselves, things like, I'm, I'm a failure, or I, I'm messed up, or I'm just no good, or I'm just weak, or it's not going to ever work for me. It's hard to think new thoughts about that person in that situation. For example, since we're in the holiday season and you'll be spending time with friends and family, think about this. Uh, if your family, if your parents are still with you and able to celebrate with you, think about your parents. Think about if they've changed as people since you've known them. Are they the same as they were when they raised us? Would you be able to see that? Would you be able to see that? Would you even allow yourself to see that? Think about those of us who have children. As they get older, do you still see your kids as like five-year-old? I mean, to be honest, I, I still see that too. It was good memories. But I know it's not. Sometimes I wonder if the quality of the relationships we have with our children directly correlates to how quickly we can keep up with the ways that they change. To think new thoughts about who they are. Because it's easy, it's so easy to get stuck on seeing our kids, our friends, our siblings, our boss, our fellow coworkers, anyone in our lives only in one way. And not to say that what you know and think about others aren't true. Sure, maybe your boss really is a jerk, okay? But is that the only thing he or she is? And maybe that friend really did lie to you. But is that all that he or she is? And maybe your kid does really need to mature and is really selfish. But that can't be the only thing that they are. And the thoughts that we think about ourselves, they're usually the most deeply entrenched and dangerous. I knew a person once pretty much led a good life, made one stupid mistake in his life, did one terrible thing, and then for the next 15 years, all he could think of himself was under that issue of darkness and sin. What thoughts do you think about yourself the most often? Would anyone who loves you ever think those things? Are these the thoughts of a God who loves you, who loves other people, who gave his life for you? So I'm not saying here that we should just be more positive this, sum, uh, this, this holiday season. I'm not saying just, hey, we need to think more positive uh, this Christmas time. I'm suggesting that maybe some of us tend to only see the negative stuff, the sins, the failures, the weaknesses, the insecurities, and allow them to enter into the equation of how we think of things and view things. I know I'm certainly like this as well. But if repentance means a change in your thinking, if repentance means being freed from thinking these same thoughts, sometimes about sin, sometimes about sinful people, over and over again, even things about yourself, then John the Baptist 
in his advent, prepares people, and he says, Jesus is coming. Jesus is the one who, according to Revelation 21, says, I am making everything new. Repent. Jesus is coming. Stop thinking this way. Get ready. Get ready to think differently. Get ready for some change. Isn't this why the Apostle Paul, in his famous verse in Romans 12, says, do not be conformed to this world, but be changed, transformed. Not by the renewing of your lifestyle, not by the renewing of your workouts, not by the renewing of your credit history, but how? The renewing of your minds. Christmas, for these people in the Bible, was an opportunity to lay down the messiness of their lives and to hear some good news. You see, repentance that John preached about is not about feeling bad. Uh, Feeling bad is easy. It's about change, a hope for change, a hope for better. I don't know how 2022 went for you, but for me, I, I can't wait till it's over. There's just a lot of mess going on still. I'm hoping that 23 will be a lot easier, a lot better. But repentance is that, a hope for change, a hope for better, that the one who comes is the one who will pay a price for every weakness, every flaw, every sin, every blown-out caricature of people that you don't like, every wrong, every twisted thought, and makes things better, even new. So for us, Advent is more than just waiting for Christmas Day so we can open our presents. Remember the word Advent means the coming. And if we remember Advent this year, then we've got to remember that Jesus didn't just come to be born. He didn't just come to earth as a man. And then he didn't just come to die on a cross. He was raised on the third day. He ascended into heaven. And he promises this, I am coming again. I'm coming again. And I'm going to finish the work that I started. So when people sing that Christmas hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're not just replaying what the ancient Israelites must have sung before the birth of Jesus Christ. We're singing that Emmanuel, God with us, will come again and make perfect right all that's wrong, not only in our lives, but in the world that we live in. When we sing, let every heart prepare him room, We're not just thinking about the innkeepers at Bethlehem who didn't give Joseph and Mary any place to sleep. We're also thinking about our hearts, our minds, our thoughts to be prepared to receive Jesus in all that he came to do. The first advent in the gospel, the birth of Christ, looks forward to the final advent, the coming of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's hopeful news. And if it's true, then nothing can just stay the same. So what John is saying, what the Apostle Paul is saying, we need to act like this. Nothing can stay the same. We need to think like this. Things need to get better. We need to look forward to this. There is a repentance that we need to turn away from the old way of thinking and to trust and turn into a different way of thinking. 
You know, in 2008, there was this Olympic weightlifter named Kendrick Ferris. He was in the U.S. Olympics 2008-2016. Ferris, he broke, I think in 2008, the U.S. record by lifting a total of 831 pounds in two exercises. 831 pounds. He broke the record then. then. Strong guy. But what he's most known for is this quote. He says this, quote, I cannot remain unchanged and expect to have an impact on a broken world, end quote. I cannot remain unchanged and expect to have an impact on a broken world. For you, I cannot remain unchanged and expect to make a difference in my family. I cannot remain unchanged and expect to make a difference in my marriage. I cannot remain unchanged and expect to make a difference at work. I can't stay the same and expect the church to really be different or to grow. I can't remain unchanged and expect to make a difference in my life. And if your heart is heavier then you'd like this Advent season, this year, then I'd like to encourage you to take heart because the joys of Christmas season aren't ultimately waiting just for Christmas Day. Even the best Christmas, the one in which you got everything you asked for, the one in which every member is sitting around the table speaking sweetly to everybody else, preferring to give rather than to receive, all that will pale in comparison to the joy yet to come. So prepare, get ready, be transformed by the renewal of your thinking. Let your heartaches point to you beyond Christmas as you sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, to the better celebration that awaits us all. And in the meantime, may God give us some grace to repent, to turn away from unproductive actions unproductive thoughts that don't really serve us, don't really serve God, and don't serve our neighbors. And may God give us strength to reach for those corrective lenses that he's handing to us so that we can see with different minds. Minds that see the glory of God in the midst of chaos. Minds that perceive God's hand in the work of our most difficult situation. Minds that could see God's grace working even in the most annoying people in our lives. Minds that move to curiosity rather than judgment. May God burn away the old and make us new. Fill us with hopeful thoughts for Christmas and for the new year. All because Jesus has come and he is coming again. Let's pray. Father, we don't need a holiday on the calendar to be reminded of not only the things that you say you've done for us, but things you will do for us. So we, we have that resource every day of the year. But we are so busy 
in the lives that we live, with the people that we live with, work with, engage with, that we tend to forget a lot of these promises, a lot of these things that you say are true. We find ourselves scrambling, looking for anything, trying to control the situation so that we might manage what we want the most out of our current predicaments. But we pray, Lord, that at the same time, you would remind us, ultimately, you are the one in control. You know the waiting that many of us are doing for whatever issues or whatever things or whatever people. You know how hard it can be. But you've encouraged us, Lord, as you've answered the waiting of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, you've given us that person, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would increase our faith to help us understand that in our life a little more, to connect the truth, Lord, that you are there in the midst of us and that we are to turn to you and to patiently wait for you. We pray, Lord, that the waiting is not just uh, wishful thinking, but Lord, it's, a, it's an anticipation of what you say you will do for our good and your glory. Give us the grace to endure the rest of this year if we need to. Help us to think differently the situations that we find ourselves in that are hard. Help us to see people around us that might cause us grief or stress or anxiety. Uh, in a way that's not just a caricature, but a way that you see them. And give us peace as we rest in you and the fact that, Lord, you have come and that you have promised to come again. But in the meantime, you are working in our hearts and lives in very different ways. So, Lord, uh, fill our hearts with the joy of expecting as we know what's to come, though we don't know when. We trust in you. In Christ's name we pray.